Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Downtown Gotham City. Contact with an alien is confirmed. With Batman and Commissioner Gordon dead, it's up to the Gotham Knights to contain the situation. And with that, Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, and Red Hood suit up and head to the site. Upon arriving on scene, the alien presents himself, seemingly looking for an envoy to fight. Hovering above a city center, the Super Scroll sees the approaching group and says, I seek no words. Only blood today. A shot rings out. Everyone turns and stares at Red Hood's smoking pistol. What? Red Hood says. He said he didn't want to talk. And the fight of their lives begins. It's Junior Batman's versus Final Boss. It's Bruce's kids versus the Skrulls, id. It's the Gotham Knights versus the Super Skrull. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters in the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. History is about to be made. Yeah, I said it. For the first time ever, we have a one versus group battle, something never before ever attempted on the Who Would Win show. In one corner, you have the Super Scroll, quite possibly the strongest being from the shape-shifting Scroll Empire in the Marvel Universe versus the Bat Family made up of sidekicks and cohorts and friends and cousins and distant relations somehow of Batman. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed and True story, I actually bet some friends that this battle had never been discussed before anywhere, as in anywhere, and I was right. There's literally no mention of this battle being suggested online, and I, more importantly, true story, am the proud winner of a $5 gift certificate to my local Sizzler. Yes, Sizzler, they're still in business. What a great find that was. Fantastic. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's battle? 
Look, I'm thrilled anytime we can even like graze against uh, video game characters on the show. The Gotham Knights video game just hit stores, just hit your digital delivery for those people who uh, celebrate such things. It's the spiritual successor to Batman's Arkham City, uh, Arkham Knight, Arkham Asylum, and all of those Batman games. Arkham Origins is better than people let you will will tell you. I'm going to say right now, I respect Batman Arkham Origins anyway. So Gotham Knights came out. So let's talk about doing a team battle. We took it to the Twitter like we did at one point, And we asked the people, do you want to see team versus team on the show? Or do you want to see a team fight against one character on the show? And we heard over and over again, we would like to see a team fight against one character only because you've never done it on the show before. And wouldn't you know it, when that poll completed, team versus team still won the poll. But here we are anyway, still doing team versus one character, even though the people have not demanded it. Sometimes we just do our own thing, James, and respect for that. You know, that's fair. Listen, there's a lot of other shows, a lot of other great shows, by the way, that do kind of like a who would win type of offering. You know, Death Battle does this great kind of, you know, let's line up all the stats Never and let's kind of reenact and see what happens. Epic Rap Battles of History is also fantastic. And there's a number of other ones out there. But the thing that makes Who Would Win different is that sometimes we bring a battle that is so out of the box, so crazy. But again, like I've always been saying, it makes so much sense. And I really felt because we've done, you know, team versus team before. And that's cool. But we haven't done like that. But some people call a boss battle, team versus one person. And that's what I think we need to do. Wilson, we're always pushing the, the boundaries. We're breaking new ground all the time. This is a natural progression. See, they're going to go great or it won't, but we got to push the boundaries with our shows. Now, the production meeting was really interesting. It said, you know, Team Battle, Bat Family, Gotham Knights, you know, these characters and all these different suggestions came out. And then Ray said, Super Scroll. And everyone's like, no, 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 too powerful, too powerful. There was one person who said, let's do it. That was me. I love being the underdog in these battles. Because if this is the time where you got to bring in strategy and you're talking strategy, there's no better team for strategy than Gotham Knights, the Bat Family, whatever you want to call them. That is the whole deal. Ray, why did you pick Super Scroll of all people for this? The first time we ever did like a team versus boss battle. Well, you know, honestly, it's one of like five or six suggestions that I put out there as being appropriately sized characters to fight against an entire team. You know, you've been begging for Homelander to show up back on the show, and I put him out there and was quickly ignored by everyone in the room because he would just laser everyone to pieces. But the Super Scroll got put down, and literally there was a gasp in the room, and the only person who seemed to agree that we should go with it was James Gavsey. And I just assumed it's because he didn't actually know who the Super Scroll was. That can't possibly be true, but it's the only thing that made sense to me. I look forward to taking my crown in this battle. Let's see how this uh, battle plays out. Listen, when you have new ground within the Who Would Win show, you got to bring in a judge who has consistently proven to be that that judge who goes down the line, stays neutral, weighs all the facts, and sometimes just provides so much insight, stuff that Ray and I didn't even think about, that they just come up like this oracle of information, and we have that judge today. So coming back for another appearance on the Who Would Win show, it's a voice of Yuji Dodoro in the English dub of the anime series. It's the hit series, Jujutsu Kaisen. Let's just call it what it is. It's the voice of Marco Diaz in Disney XD's Star vs. the Forces of Evil. It's martial artist extraordinaire. I know this firsthand. It's the one and only Adam MacArthur. Adam, welcome back to Who Would Win? Gentlemen, thank you. I'm happy to be back. Happy to be back here in this judge's seat. 
Um, you mentioned something earlier I wanted to congratulate you both on. You mentioned Sizzler. Uh, so that I'm just going to assume that you now have a sponsorship from Sizzler. Congratulations. I'm glad to see things are going very well here at the Who Would Win Show. Oh, by the way, I need to take a moment right now. Sizzler, where the pan meets the meat. Okay, we're back to our show now. Perfect. Perfect. Beautiful. (laughs) Adam, before we kind of get into this episode, tell us, tell us, because I know you've been insanely busy. Tell us what you've been up to. Yeah. Oh, man, I have been doing, I've actually been doing a ton of traveling. I have been hitting up convention after convention, doing appearances, mostly due to the popularity of Jujutsu Kaisen. So I've been meeting a lot of fans, signing autographs. We're in between our first and second season. So season two is coming 2023. Very excited about that. But uh, yeah, I'm just kind of boots on the ground out there meeting people and and shaking babies and kissing hands and all that stuff. So it's been great. I saw you do that at Comic-Con. That was impressive, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, some yeah. good stuff. Now, <laughs> now I, I actually did want to ask you this. Yeah. What's the difference between the fan base overseas? You just went to Australia, which is fantastic. You've been mm-hmm. all over the United States. Is there a difference between the fans overseas or in different countries than, say, the U.S.? Um, You know, in this one instance, and it's a little hard to say this because it also varies in the United States. I was going to say the fans in Australia don't get a lot of people from the States over there. So there's a little bit more there. I can't say that there's more of an appreciation or anything like that because fans are always very, very grateful no matter where we go. It was like a slightly different uh, appreciation just because, you know, they don't get to meet people who are in these shows very often. So it was pretty cool. You know, I've heard something about I I don't know what it's called. I I call it just the William Shatner effect. So when when William Shatner first goes to a town in the U.S. for a convention, everyone loses their mind. When he's there for four events per year, every year, it gets less and less, you know, special. Not not to take anything away from William Shatner. Yeah. So I can see what you're saying with Australia or possibly even parts of Canada, for example, or Latin America, whatever. If you don't yeah. go, then that Hollywood effect uh, totally follows you. Now, for the Legion of Audience, you know, I've actually got to train with Adam a couple of times martial arts wise, you know, seen him in person. He actually does have that Hollywood je ne sais quoi about him. Very oh, nice guy, on. but he's definitely it's got that true. Hollywood star thing. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's a thing. I saw it for Santa Comic-Con. Ray Sicanis has pictures of you all over his wallet at home. It's a weird thing, like but everywhere. whatever. You've got that thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, why not? Why not? And, you know, the, the reason why I love having you on the show, by the way, is because you're not just this person who, who does all these great things within the entertainment industry, but you also are a fan and you appreciate the nuances of the characters. What do you think is going to be different in this episode of Who Would Win in our first time ever boss, you know, Super Scroll versus, you know, yeah. Gotham Knights members of the <clears throat> Bat family? Well, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, when Ray is able to kind of hone in on one uh, person's skills versus like, I, I'm interested to see, is it going to spread too thin? You know, on are your points going to be spread too thin? Or is having multiple people going to make it even easier? Because you could just, you know, you have obviously more people to pull from skill wise and argument wise. So yeah, I'm very excited to see how you guys do this. Also, you know, always coming in with a, a level head, no bias. I don't even remember who won the last battle that I judged. So, you know, none of that. I just want to hear good points. I want to, you know me, I'm a rule follower. So I like to hear the rules followed. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that's it. Well, that's like good it. to hear. Like Many of battle. our judges hate the rules and don't think they apply to these battles. I am yeah. a big stickler for rules. And Adam, I love hearing you say that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I'm tra- yeah. I, I mean, I do believe you follow the rules as a judge, but you are definitely a maverick in so many different other areas of your you're life not wrong. without giving away any details. Yeah. So, you know, I appreciate <laughs> what you're saying. At the same time, I'm kind of looking, I'm pulling back the curtain going like, are you now? Really? You're a, a rule follower. Is that, is that I, who you are? I, I like, I like to right. bend them as far as they can be bent. We'll just say that. <laughs> Sounds like that uh, submission you put on my arm last time we trained. (laughs) All right. With that being said, it is about that time. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing DC Comics, the super group that can overcome seemingly anything, except maybe a five out of 10 from IGN, the Gotham Knights. And representing Marvel Comics, the alien hero who can turn into whatever he wants. And yes, that does include a filing cabinet. The Super Scroll. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. All right, Ray, we've seen the Super Scroll in game form, in animated form. He kind of even has been hinted within the MCU live action. Yeah. What version are you using Look, today? Uh, we're going to be using the comic book version today. You know, we're bringing the Super Scroll against whatever madness you're concocting in your James Gabsey lab down in the, the depths underneath the psychiatric hospital that I know that you formulate your discussions and plans from. I got to come back with the one that was generated to defeat the Fantastic Four. I think that's the best version for me today. I think that's a good call. All right, listen, there have been some amazing versions of the Gotham Knights slash Bat Family. Screw this. I'm using the comic book version. I'm just going the comic book version. That's yeah, where and, you have the and, most beats. I want to say, like, even though the game, the game did just come out, because the game's uh, limited in its scope, I think uh, opening up the door to using the comic book version makes a lot of sense here, just uh, in, in the name of, of uh, being a good opponent. You are a good being opponent, kind. I mean, you're not a good guy, good man, good human, but as opponents go, you nailed it. You are good, sir. All right, rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons. The very long-established part of the character's continuity feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but we give them less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Hoodwin store to get your very own Hoodwin merchandise and accessories. Go to hoodwinstore.com to get your hands on some Hoodwin merch right now. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. 
Indeed's going to do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Speaking of now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for the Super Scroll. That is such a weird transition, James, because you talk about now, throw to a four-minute commercial break, and then come back as if as if the people, you never stop talking to them. That will never not be Uncanny Valley to me. Anyway, the Super Scroll is a decorated scroll warrior who is imbued with the powers of the Fantastic Four. He was created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and first appeared in Fantastic Four number 18 back in 1963. The Scroll Warrior Clert had many victories in battle and was generally considered a hero of the Scrolls as well as one of their strongest warriors. It is due to this that when the Scrolls made enemies of the Fantastic Four on Earth, they used a process to give Clert the powers of every member of the superhero group 
in an enhanced way in order to bring them all down. The newly named Super Skrull devastated the team and served the Skrulls as their champion ever since. Fun fact, the Skrulls have always been a wild and interesting character line for Marvel throughout the years. But did you know that the Skrulls once replicated the Beatles? Yes. In 1963, some Skrulls infiltrated Great Britain and posed as the Beatles. Sadly, a Skrull working for the British government joined them posing as John Lennon and got them all found out and executed. Sadder still for him, during the Secret Invasion storyline, the one who posed as John Lennon was found out and also executed, but this time by the Skrulls, so I don't know, maybe this timeline that we're in right now is somehow the better one? I don't know. Anyway, that is the Super Skrull. I keep forgetting that a lot of these Marvel characters were made in the 60s. Yeah. So these Beatles references or even like early 70s with Bruce Lee. I mean, it makes so much sense, but it's really weird. All of this is really <laughs> weird to me. I don't know what the deal is. All right. Now, here are the details for the Gotham Knights, a.k.a. the Bat Family. Now, Gotham Knights slash the Bat Family was first started. Let's just go with it with the introduction of Batman's first sidekick, a.k.a. Robin, a.k.a. Dick Grayson who first appeared in Detective Comics number 38 back in April of 1940 and was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Bat Family has been a consistent support group, sometimes replacement, sometimes confidence of Batman himself, from Dick Grayson's The First Robin to The Nightwing, to the comic books Cassandra Kane, who went from Batgirl to Orphan to the original Batgirl, Bab- Barbara Gordon, to Batman's son and current Robin, Damian Wayne. Taking a deep breath, the Bat Family has established itself as a cohesive group of top-tier superheroes, defenders of Gotham and its surrounding cities, as well as protectors of the entire planet. Armed with incredible training, wheels of iron, and the finest bat gadgets a multi-billionaire can get their hands on, the Bat Family consistently takes on supervillains who are a threat to Gotham and the world. And although their styles may be vastly different, every member acknowledges that they are, in fact, family, willing to do whatever it takes to take out any superpower challenge that they are facing. And here's something interesting about the Bat Family slash Gotham Knights. Did you know, of all the members of the Gotham Knights, there's one member who the Joker hates more than anyone else. It's true. It's no secret that the Joker loves to traumatize Batman and his sidekicks, killing Jason Todd back in the 80s, capturing, torturing Tim Drake, putting Damian Wayne against his father, and many other disturbing things. But what he has never been able to do is get to Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Nightwing. It's true. It's a feat that the Joker has always wanted to accomplish, but has never been able to accomplish because it's due to Grayson's mentality and his rock-solid emotional state. By the way, do you know who the favorite Robin is of Superman? It's the original. It's Dick Grayson. By the way, you know who's super popular within the DC universe? It's Dick Grayson, Nightwing, just saying he's awesome. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Adam, do you have any questions before we get started? I think I want to clarify how many people you are are in the Gotham Knights slash Bat family. You don't have to tell me all, who well, they are great... if you want. You can just give me a number. Give her, uh, give well, evidently, there have been thousands of people throughout <laughs> the history of Batman <laughs> okay. who have qualified. I mean, this is going to be literally an army. All right. That's yeah. right. So, if you uh, let James have was... his way, every single person that Batman has drank coffee around is a member of the Bat family. All right. Um, Grace case, that's not true. Although there was Ace the Bat Hound in the 60s. Never mind. So there will be very specific people. I'm going to try to stay within the realm of Gotham Knights, that new game that came out that used four key characters. Okay. I will add probably two additional ones. We're talking about the Super Scroll here. Okay. This is something that you you need a little bit more firepower within the Bat Family, but I'm not going to go beyond about six in total, just two additional. I'm just doing the math for Race to Kane's estate. Yeah, James okay. says six. six. He means 26. 
So let's just get ready for whatever nonsense, whatever rule breaking James decides merits this episode. Because yeah. when James knows he can't oh, win no in a idea. straight up fight, he likes to cheat. Well, it is, it is. We call him dastardly Gapsy. It is supposed to be a boss fight, group versus a solo. So I guess we'll just, yeah, I'll I'll address it. See what happens. Should, should I need? Yeah. Okay. Adam, there's a reason why you are a judge for today's episode. Yeah, we'll we'll be finding that out during the episode. All right, Ray, listen, enough is enough. Go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for the Super Scroll. We're just going to bring up his basic strength and durability because, quite honestly, I love the Gotham Knights. I love the Bat Family. I don't see what these non-superpowered characters are going to be able to take or going to be able to do against a potent spirit like the Super Scroll. He's got an insane level of power just starting here. Marvel ranks strength up to class 100. If you listen to this show for any length of time, you know James has brought this up. The Hulk is class 100. Let's face it, most Marvel characters class 100, but it means that these are earth-shattering opponents. The Super Scroll is once again also class 100 strength that he may have even started there before he got his powers ramped up. We've seen him just turn and knock a train car off the tracks and over just by thinking about it. He once stomped the ground and knocked down everyone around him. Impressive by itself, but when you consider that these were groups of Eternals, of the Eternals, and he knocked them all over with his power, it was incredible. I've never seen a character outside of the Kool-Aid Man smash through more (laughs) walls, floors, ceilings, and more walls than the Super Scroll. He doesn't use doors. He uses walls. Oh, yeah, indeed. One time I saw him ripped off the roof of a building. He just ripped off the roof of a building, threw the roof of a building at Thor, and ended up destroying another building. So we're talking about a colossally powerful level of strength that I don't think little Batarangs are going to be enough to deal with. He once hit the thing so hard. The thing. He hit him so hard. He cracked the ground beneath him. That's force through the body of the thing into the area around him. If he hits Batgirl like that, she's going to make a little pasty smear on the pavement. He's so strong, he smashed through a Susan Storm force field. Master of the force field, the invisible girl from the Fantastic Four Susan Storm, he smashed through one. He uh, Characters, individual characters that he has messed up through his just physical punching and powers alone. Captain Marvel, that's original Marvel, Spider-Man, the Human Torch, She-Hulk, and Ms. Marvel, who I believe was Carol Danvers at that time before she ascended to being Captain Marvel herself. This is a guy who messes up Captain Marvel. I don't think Robin is going to answer the call here. And as far as durability goes, he fought with Captain Marvel. This would be original Marvel. Who, by the way, Captain Marvel, he admitted after the battle was over, this thing is more strong than I am. And that's Captain freaking Marvel talking. Well, Super Scroll and Captain Marvel fighting in a building. They just collapsed the entire building on top of them, and Super Scroll just walked away safely. No problem whatsoever. In fact, Super Scroll's durability is off the charts. He's tanked punches from uh, Namor, the Thing, Grey Hulk, so a literal Hulk character, as well as taking shots from Mjolnir from Thor. He's just taken shots and then just walked away. The Hulk has punched him 
and his head uh, may have gone back a little ways, but it snapped back and he was able to keep fighting. But it's not just physical attacks, energy attacks. He's tanked from Captain Marvel, Moon Dragon, as well as the Silver Surfer. He's been inside a spaceship while it exploded and walked away safely. And on top of all of that, even if they scratch him, he's rocking a powerful healing factor. At the end of the day, James better be bringing some warheads. And even then, that might not be enough. And that's my point number one. All right. This is all interesting stuff. You know, I've I've been um, a very big reader of comic books for decades now, and I'm very familiar with the Super Scroll. And the Super Scroll is indeed insanely powerful, like really, really powerful, has a lot of great uses of his powers. But here's the one main thing. He's got to maintain focus to use his powers. So, for example, he doesn't walk around always on fire at like the human torch. He doesn't always have a force field around him. He has to activate these powers. That is a very big key to all of this. On top of that, when you talk about pure firepower of what the Bat family, the Gotham Knights, can bring to the table versus Super Scroll, I'm not even going to pretend that they can match his super strength, the durability, and all the cool stuff that he brings in terms of powers and what have you. However, they do have to deal with these types of heroes and villains all the time. Remember, they live in the DC universe, insanely overpowered, and how many people do they deal with or have defeated that have very similar powers uh, sometimes even greater powers than anything that Super Scroll can bring to the table. Just keep that in mind. All right. With all that being said, let me get to my point number one. And let's just talk about the members of the Gotham Knights slash the Bat family. Now, again, there's those four key members. I'm going to add a couple just begin. As, again, we're talking about the Super Scroll. But before I start with this insane team, let's go over what they all have in common. So they're all incredible fighters, insanely accurate with their respective weapons. They all have really high, somewhat genius IQs. Can you stealth really well? They sneak in everywhere. Also, they all can dodge bullets just because that's a thing they all do all the time. They all have incredible training. Each have the ability to withstand hypnosis and, and mind control because that's something Batman doesn't want to have happen to them. They all have amazing tech back gadgets. They're masters of using it in every type of way you can think of. I mean, they whatever they carry on them, they know how to use it in a really, really great way. And most importantly, when the time arises, they all work together as a team seamlessly. And the really cool part about this team is that they all understand that it's Nightwing who's going to lead the way. Sure, Red Hood's had his differences with the team. Damian Wayne's always kind of being aggressive with everybody, thinking he knows everything about everything. But at the end of the day, when they all have to come together and fight for a cause against a superpowered being, they're like, got it. Nightwing's in control. He's leading. We got it. We'll all fall in line. And then a plan comes together. Okay, so let's break this team down. Let's talk about the Red Hood, a.k.a. Jason Todd. He was the second Robin. He was killed off in that really cool telephone vote kind of thing that happened in the 1980s. He's one of the Batman family, uh, Bat family uh, members, Gotham Knights, who's open to killing and using extreme force. That's a cool thing. He's got twin super powerful handguns, body armor that can withstand hits from super powerful supervillains. He's got a helmet that can also be used as a weapon, explosive device. He's insanely prepared to kill anyone or anything he sets his target on. Then, this is someone I'm adding to the team. It's Cassandra Kane, aka Orphan, aka the former Batgirl in the early 2000s. So she's the daughter of Lady Shiva, who was at one time the greatest martial artist and fighter in the DC universe. That's who Batman went to for some a lot of his training. And she was number one until Cassandra Kane took over by beating her mom very easily, like three times in a row is really, really cool. She's got an ability to pick up any martial art very, very quickly. Look, Batman style of 127 integrated martial arts. She learned all of that in three days. What took Batman decades to learn, she got it in three days. She can read people very well. See how they move. See how their body language is. She gets that. She's like, got it. I know what you're about to do. I know how you're going to do it. I know how to kind of take you out. 
This is someone who's going to be a big threat to the Super Scroll, and I'll explain more of that later as well. Now, on top of that, uh, she's hit. She's actually been able to hurt superpowered beings, alien life forms, anything that's crazy. She can hit at that superhuman level. Again, more on that later. Then, of course, there's Tim Drake, aka the Red Robin. Now he's got everything the Robins can do, but he is the greatest detective out of this entire group. In fact, Batman thinks he'll be a better detective than Batman in a you know short time in the future. This is someone who can understand you know, and kind of see what's happening, deduce what's happening, figure someone out insanely quickly. That's going to be really important with someone like the Super Scroll, who's got all these different powers and different ways of using them. Of course, you've got Damian Wayne, one of my favorite Robins, of course. He's the actual son of Batman. He may only be 13 years old, but he was already one of the heads of the League of Assassins. He's got superpowered weaponry that can take out superpowered beings, and he's not afraid to use it. By the way, the actual son of Batman and Talia Al Ghul, who's the daughter of Ra's Al Ghul, the immortal villain that Batman thinks is one of his most powerful enemies of all time. This person has the genetic potential to just wreck everything in their path, and he often does. Side note, he's okay with killing as well. Uh, there's Batgirl, who is the genius of the geniuses in this group. Anything technological that Batman needs help with, he goes to Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl. Uh, she has a lot of control over a lot of cool tech that she can call remotely. That's awesome. Talk about Nightwing being there. And there's the Signal. Now, the Signal is the newest member of the team. That's if you've seen him in the comic books, he's got a kind of a yellow looking bat suit. Very cool. He's only been with the Bat family for about three years. But there's something really, really special and different about him that adds a lot to this team. Look, this is a team that works really well together. Each individual of these te- uh, members of this team can take out superpowered beings, put them together, and they are world breakers. At least I think so. That's my point number one. Interesting points that James is bringing to the forefront. Uh, absolutely. Look, the, the Bat family maybe works together better than any other team in all of comic books. And th- this is one thing that they do have going for them. And the questions that I would ask is, despite all of that, do they have enough to bring down a character like the Super Scroll? I believe the answer in points one, two, and three is going to be a decided no. But as far as teamwork goes, this is where they're going to have their best opportunity. Uh, a couple things I want to bring up here. Uh, they do work best against these high level, you know, the brainiacs of the world, the dark sides. This only really works when they bring with them very super powered characters, not each other, you know? Nightwing is going to be great maybe when he w- walks in with with Hawkman and and Dr. Fate. Sure, he's going to do be able to do some good things when he has that power behind him. But just walking in the door with a series of gadgets, just don't see how that's going to be enough to bring back the Super Scroll. And you brought up a point uh, earlier in your counterpoint I want to address really quickly. Super Scroll does have to activate his powers, but maybe nobody does it more quickly. Nobody does it with more creativity than the Super Scroll who often uses his vast array of powers and mixes and matches and use them in kind with each other. I'll get into that in my later points, but I do want to downplay a little bit like he's sitting there thinking, oh, geez, which power will I use next? That is not how he operates at all. He does it in the blink of an eye and makes things happen. Look, Ray, I'm going to tell you something. I love Super Scroll. My hope is that when he comes to the MCU and finally, I'm sure he's going to make an appearance in the MCU sooner or later. Eventually. That they do him justice because you're right. This is someone who can use his powers in in really crazy coordinated attempts. I mean, it's just like, you know, this, then this and this. I I will absolutely not disagree with anything you just said and all that stuff. But with that being said, Adam MacArthur, you've heard point number one from both myself and Ray. Where's your head at with this battle so far? Uh, I I will say what's throwing me a little bit is the the amount of respect between the two of you for the uh, your chosen opponents. I think that's very that's that's new for me. That's new for me. And all the times that I've judged, it's almost disgusting, isn't it? It's almost confusing. 
is what it is. Um, Adam, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to I'm going to pull back the curtain very briefly. Yeah. If I'm being nice to James, that means I hate him more than usual, and I want to defeat him ten times as much. And I am laser focused. I don't have time to tell James what a terrible piece of garbage he is when I'm beating his butt in a who would win battle that I really want. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I mean, look, what's what's interesting so far is. Reyes prevented, uh, presented a very strong case. I mean, the, the points in the strength and durability were very, very clear to me. James, the, the teamwork element of the Gotham Knights was presented very clear. I do think that solid teamwork can oftentimes overcome something significantly more powerful. However, I just don't know, especially because uh, the strength and durability uh, point was made so clearly by Ray and James had a very quick rebuttal to the entire strength and durability portion of that, which is pertaining to the focus that the super scroll must take or, or must use in order to like, you know, present these things. So uh, as of right now, uh, I'm still just kind of wide open here in terms of, uh, of who's got any advantage. That's typically what happens at point number one. And what's really interesting is that both Ray and I have evolved. Ray actually washes his hands after he uses the bathroom. I've evolved in terms of using a deeper strategy when it comes to these battles. So we're both moving ahead as people, personally developing ourselves in that great direction. But we'll see where this battle goes. Ray, go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Not sure. Some, that's something that I would want put on the public record, James. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and continue on with my point number two. Let's talk Crystal about beyond the hell of a drug. incredible strength and incredible durability. Really one of the strongest, most durable characters in Marvel history. Let's talk about some of his actual powers. Remember, he has not only is he a scroll, he has all the powers of all four members of the Fantastic Four. He was put down on this earth to defeat that team specifically. And he has not just those powers, which he does uh, uh, bring up and, and it's almost effortlessly the way he doesn't like he has some intense focus that he needs to, you know, put together. To, he just does these things uh, as a reflex most of the time. Now, some of the powers that he has, he has the power of flight. He can fly, in fact, faster than the human torch who flies exceptionally fast. In fact, people watching on the ground once mistook him for a missile just shooting through the air when he was just flying normally. And in fact, in one of their battles against the Human Torch, he literally flew rings around the Human Torch and then manipulated the air around him to kind of like mess him up. It was fantastic. He also has Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards' elasticity. He uses this in a variety of ways to stretch and to dodge. So he's got a range that's an absolutely unbelievable range. You know, you think of just fighting somebody, you're, you know, six, 10 feet in front of him and he's got the range, except for the fact that the super scroll can stretch upwards of 100 miles, 100 miles, which means anywhere, anywhere near where the bat family, Gotham Knights, whatever James is going with here, he's going to be able to tag all of them at a distance with melee attacks, which is pretty gosh, darned good. In fact, he can dodge as well using the stretching ability. He dodged the human torch's blast. He had a big an explosion blast that the human torch did, and he just stretched around the outskirts of it in order to dodge it. Now, dodging punches, kicks, missile weapons is great. Dodging a full explosion and keeping yourself out of the blast area shows you how fast he can do it. In a microsecond, as the comic book said, he stretched his body from the place he was in to a nearby military base 
and could in fact go back again in a microsecond. That is near teleportation level speed using his stretching ability to move him around. But he does some other neat things. He could use his body to form a cage around his opponents. And those cages have held very powerful characters before. He was able to hold down, in fact, a version of the Hulk and incapacitate him for a stretch of time. He also doesn't lose any physical power with his stretching punches because he imbues his fist with the, with the power of the thing's body. So even though he's zipping all around the place to hit you, he's still hitting you with a 100 class ton strength. It's not like it becomes less because he's stretching around. He doesn't. He also uses his hands and this ability to make weapons. He's made blades, spears. He once turned it into a giant like Ms. Marvel giant fist and just wrecked Moondragon with it at a strong distance while she was trying to get away from him. But he can cut you up into ribbons as well from a distance. And you've heard of Plastic Man. This is a guy who it's hard for Superman to do damage to because he rubberizes his body and uses the physics of that in order to just tank anything he wants to. Well, when I mentioned earlier, when Hulk, with the Hulk, punched him square in the face as hard as he could, his head stretched back and then came back again and he was able to keep on going because he's able to absorb this using physics. He also did, and it's really gross, he punched somebody in the mouth and then, like, exploded the person's body from the inside like the T-1000 would do from the Terminator movies. Gross. And last thing to mention, he's a Skrull. So he can mimic as well. He can take the form and personality of anybody that he sees. So the, the, the Gotham Knights are fighting against the Super Skrull, and one of them just suddenly becomes Red Hood. What a... Super Scroll just becomes any of these characters at all, and so they don't know who they're supposed to be fighting. Their teamwork is great, but the confusion he can cause by quickly and rapidly turning into different members of the party as he scatters them around, it's going to be too much. And that's why Super Scroll is just too much for this team. And that's my point number two. You know, interesting stuff. I'm going to have to push back on some of your facts here. So, for example, comparing even the Super Scroll, who's got better elasticity than Mr. Fantastic. That's I can agree on that, but it's still nowhere near what Plastic Man can do. And the reason I bring that up is because Plastic Man, Ray, you've even said it before in the show, he's virtually indestructible. He's way more powerful than you can think. He kind of represents himself through stretchiness or whatever, but he can do a lot more. It's kind of a completely different power that gets confused for just elasticity in the style that Reed Richards or Super Scroll can do. And the other reason why I got to push back is because the Bat family, thanks to Batman's contingency plans, what have you, already has ways to deal with super stretchiness. In fact, they have contingency plans and strategies to deal with so many different superpowered beings because that's how Batman thinks. Remember Tower of Babel, a great series where he had contingency plans that were taken by Rachel Ghoul, who then used them to take out the Bat family or the uh, Justice League, I should say. Well, all of that kind of knowledge in terms of, hey, take out a being who's superpowered this way or that way, whatever. The Bat family, the Gotham Knights, have a lot of that already on them in terms of back gadgets or strategies or what have you. All right, my point number two, let's talk about back gadgets, specific weapons, and a little surprise. So this is not the time to go over every gadget the Bat Family has. I've done in the past. I'm not going to rehash all that. Let's just go over some specific stuff that the Bat Family has that they each carry on them that can be used effectively against Super Scroll. So first of all, the Bat Family, you got a cape, or I know Nightwing has it, uh, Red Hood has it. They have these gliding kind of wing-like things they can use. The cape can turn into gliders, whatever. They can go airborne, nowhere near what the Super Scroll can do with his flight, but they can be very, very maneuverable in really unpredictable ways in the air. They all have sonic devices. 
and the attacks from these sonic attacks are strong enough to disorient and even hurt someone's Superman at close range, the Super Scroll is also going to be susceptible to these sonic attacks. They have knockout gases. Now, I got to go old school. There was an old Marvel DC crossover. I think it was late 70s, early 80s. I love this comic because it was so ridiculous. Batman's taking on the Hulk. The Hulk is throwing Batman all over the place, about to wreck him. What does Batman do? Throw down the knockout gas pellets, kicks him in the gut, makes the Hulk have to breathe in. He breathes in the gas and gets knocked out. Guess who's carrying Batman knockout gas on them at all times? That's right, the Gotham Knights. Look, if you can take out the Hulk with a, a point like that knockout gas, you can take out the Super Scroll as well. Let's say they have a ton of tech that can also just act as distractions. Again, Super Scroll needs that focus. And all of a sudden, five batarangs are exploding in his face. Little mini explosives that stick to him are going off. He's not going to know what's going on where. That's going to create a distraction and an opportunity. By the way, on a side note, speaking of tech, Barbara Gordon herself, she's the genius of the geniuses. She has control over 12 advanced attack satellites that were created by Lex Luthor when he was president of the United States not too long ago in DC Comics. All of those satellites were designed to hurt not kill, well, he wanted them to, but absolutely hurt very badly Superman. Just a little fun thing that she has at her disposal. But here's the fun thing. There's one member of the Bat family who's got specific weapons targeted taking out Superman-level beings, and that's Jason Todd. So here's the thing with Jason Todd. I already talked about it. One of his common things he carries are these two pistols that are super powerful pistols, and they carry he carries an assortment of bullets. He's able to shoot through Deathstroke's armor. Why is this important? Deathstroke, that mercenary, well, his armor is made out of Prometheum. What's Prometheum? That is the DC Comics version of adamantium. You can shoot through Pr Prometheum as durable as the Super Scroll is going to be. You're going to shoot through. Uh, you're going to shoot through the Super Scroll's durable, you know, exterior. That's just going to happen. Now let's talk about. Uh, oh, one little thing. Red Hood from previous adventures from the New Fifty Two. I hate that era, but he's got it. He has the ability to pull up these magical swords in his hands. I mentioned this in a previous episode of Who Would Win. These magical swords made of magical energy can cut through anything. Guess what they can cut through in the DC universe? Gods. If you can cut through gods in the DC universe, you're cutting through the Super Scroll. All right. You ready for the surprise? Here it is. The Bat Family, the Gotham Knights. Everyone's like, oh, what can these non-superpowered beings do? But here's the thing. The comic book version, some of them actually have powers. So let's talk about, uh, let's see, Jason Todd. So Jason Todd, when he came back from death because Superman Prime, Superboy Prime punched reality, which caused Jason Todd to come back to life because that's how things work in comic books. So he get, wakes up, he's found by Talia al Ghul, Damon Wayne's mother. He gets put into a Lazarus pit, wakes up, regains all his memories, his fighting ability, all that kind of good stuff. Then all of a sudden realizes he has insane durability, way more strength, all this crazy stuff. So he gave him super strength. He's now strong enough to break through a submarine hull with a single punch. He can kick an airplane door off the hinges, break uh, the neck and arm of superhumans. He can hold up a collapsed building roof easily. This guy's got a lot of strength. He's not as strong as Super Scroll, but he hits way harder than a regular human. Let's see. Let's talk about uh, also the orphan or a.k.a. Cassandra Kane. So she's got this ability to read people. She can go at above peak human level, but in every area you can think of, which makes her insanely superhuman. She can also read people, predict where they're going to move and understand where they're going to go. And on top of all of this, she can also look at someone and say, hey, you know what? I can tell where you're about to. Um, I can tell where you're weak, where your weak spots are, and I'm going to hit you in those weak spots and take you out. She's hurt Superboy, Supergirl, and Shazam with punches and strikes. If you can hurt those three, you're hurting the Super Scroll. Finally, and finally, and I'll leave this my point number three, let's talk about the signal, that newest character. By the way, the signal has insane powers. Here's a little hint. Just like in Avatar, you have airbenders, waterbenders. Well, the signal is a light and shadow bender. 
wherever that can go, wherever that can do anything, any place that's dark, he can manipulate it, make it come to life. He's got all these crazy different vision powers, microscopic vision, x-ray vision. He's got precog, what's called ghost vision. He can see what you're about to do at any time and avoid your attacks. This is someone who's going to come in very handy for all of this. All of that is my point number two. Oh, I, I, I thought we were just going to roll on for 20, 30 more minutes, James Gabsy. Interesting. <laughs> so there's six characters here, Ray. Yeah. So uh, let's face it. You bring up the Batman versus there was like 19 minutes of things I got to parse through now. So you bring up Batman versus Hulk in that one crossover that happened that one time that no one was satisfied with and pretend like, oh, yes. And that's how this knockout gas is going to work on the Super Scroll. It doesn't work on the Super Scroll. That's not going to work at all. And you said it yourself. Some of these members of the Bat family will take to the air. and They will fly using their suits. But then, as you said, they can't fly anywhere like he can fly. If they take to the air, he's going to obliterate them. He's going to literally fly circles around them and destroy them. Taking to the air would be the worst thing that they could do against the Super Scroll. He would drill them. And, and the other thing I would say, you know, you probably, oh, they know how to defeat Superboy. They know how to, they have a contingency for this. Well, Batman has a contingency for this. Not necessarily the Bat family, but even taking you at your word, they don't know who this character is walking in the door. This is a, this is a battle where they do not have pre previous knowledge. Bat members, if you give Batman two weeks of prep, he can beat blah, 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 blah. They don't have this. They are walking in sight unseen to a guy with a pantheon of powers that they are not ready for, and they would get wiped. And I'm saying if you were to give them like a month of prep time, maybe they got to look at this one. But walking in the door sight unseen, that is a recipe for disaster against this team. Just wonder if they've ever seen powers like the Super Skulls had before, but you never know. All right. We are at what is called the turning point, where after hearing two points from Ray and myself, Adam tells us who's ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Adam has to say, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week, we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? This week, we're going to go into one of our newer members, and we're going to talk about Brad Dancer. Brad Dancer, welcome to the Patreon. You are in the hot seat today. You know what, Brad? Welcome to the show. Let's give you something a little insanely challenging. Let's have Brad Dancer go up against the late 70s, early 80s Super Friends cartoon in its entirety. Talk about literally every character from the Super Friends. Yes. Why not? Let's just use the core characters. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> that means... Well, here's the deal. Well, Brad Dancer obviously walks in the door and somehow he sees every single member of every single person who's ever been on the Super Friends TV show. Good one, James. So now he's going to be fighting against Superman, 60s uh, era Batman, Aquaman, The Flash, what, Martian Manhunter, and all the villains, Solomon Grundy, Lex Luthor, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's a, there, there is a lot of characters who appeared on this show, uh, a strange pull. But the thing about Brad Dancer is, I'm not going to go with the obvious. He He's a great dancer. Maybe he knows that Brazilian dance fighting uh, style that, of course, I can never come up with the name of when I need to. But you all know what it's called. Capoeira. Yes, thank you. Campuchia. No, I don't know. The point I'm trying to make here is Brad Dancer just walks into the room and Brad Dancer sees literally every hero and every villain that appeared on that cartoon of the Justice League show. And what is he going to do? He's going to just reach over, grab the phone, call the uh, studio and get the show canceled. He's going to, at that point, every single one of those characters was removed. 
Brad Dancer doesn't mess around. You try to bring that number of characters against him, James Gapsy, he just cancels the whole thing. Brad Dancer gets the win and take that to the bank. You know, there's only way one way for Brad Dancer to actually come out the, the winner of this, and that was exactly how you laid it out. Break the fourth wall mm-hmm. and get the show canceled, Bugs Bunny style. Well done, Brad Dancer. He did it. <laughs> he did it. Remember, you two can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash who would win show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now back to the turning point. Adam, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Okay, so at this moment, I believe Ray is ahead for me. You know, with the explanation of the powers and all that stuff, one point that really stuck out to me is kind of the obvious, is the fact that the Super Scroll is a scroll, and he can mimic and create confusion himself. And I, what I don't know is, and what I need to kind of get from you, James, is how the the Gotham Knights would be able to very quickly adapt as a team. You know, there's two there's a lot of moving parts. How they would quickly be able to adapt as a team and come together in a way that would allow them to overcome that confusion in addition to the seemingly, you know, like uh what was it? The class 100 uh um strength, you know, like all of that stuff and and the powers. Um how would they be able to come together to overcome that is is sort of where I'm at at this current moment. Okay, so yeah, you want to hear more about the team and how the team comes together and creates that synergy to overcome someone as mm-hmm. insanely uh, powerful and amazing, really, as a Super Scroll. All right, I think I may have what you're looking for, but before we get to that, let's hear Ray's final point number three. Point number three for the Super Scroll. I saved the best powers for now. I've just been playing with kid gloves up to this point because he has more abilities from the Fantastic Four. He has Human Torch's heat, Human Torch's body of flame, and he can put it on any part of his body at any time that he wants to. And any power that Human Torch has ever used, he has access to those, which means that just his body, when he wants it to, can uh, burn down the building that he's in very, very quickly. He could absolutely just shoot out massive heat and flames, heat that is strong enough to melt through steel. So again, if they are inside a building trying to fight, he will just destroy the entire building, trapping everybody inside and then crawl his way out with victory. Anyone who tries to grab him, you talk about this great physical ability. Now also Super Skrull, James, you're really not telling you, he's like one of the greatest, if not the greatest warrior that the Skrulls have ever trained. So his combat ability and melee and weapon usage is fantastic, not even counting the fact that he has weapons of this spacefaring, you know, advanced civilization that he can call on to that's not just like sticks, you know, like Nightwing is going to try to bring to the table. But anybody, Nightwing, anybody who tries to grab him, anybody who tries to actually make contact with him, he will just burn them. It's one of his favorite moves to do. Oh, I've got a, I've got a hold of him. Boom! He just makes his body temperature so hot that he knocks you off of him immediately. He's also like a a wizard from Dungeons and Dragons. He can create walls of flames around them. He can control those flames. He's made chains made of fire and just wrapped them around people. I don't see Robin having an answer for these types of moves happening at the speed that he's capable of going in. He also uh, can create antimatter fireballs, not just fire made of antimatter. Unbelievable. 
He also can absorb a near, if not unlimited amount of heat. So, so many of these types of bat gadgets, he's just going to absorb and eat. Not a problem at all. And the last heat power that I wanted to focus is his blinding power. She-Hulk and Kitty Pride have both in combat been blinded by the Super Scroll, who just at a moment's notice just shoots out a, a huge bright array of light just everywhere around him. And these Bat Family folks, not knowing that's coming, will not have an answer. And he's going to be able to blind them long enough to defeat them. More powers. Hypnosis. In the middle of combat, he can just look at you, get in front of your face and look at you and hypnotize you and make you fight for him. And that's going to work on all of these humans. He got it off in a combat situation against both the thing and human torch in a battle. And that is a, a class, you know, uh, an 85 strength as far as the thing goes fighting him and the human torch who can move at human torch speeds, not human levels of physiques. He's going to get these Bat family members fighting against each other while he disguises himself as them. This is going to be a mess for them. Oh, did I mention he could also go invisible? He can make himself invisible. He can make other people around him invisible. And it works on high-level characters. Silver Surfer, Thor, Captain Marvel, Namor have all been tricked by the invisibility and not had a chance to see him. And I've seen him go invisible, pretend to be Hawkeye, and just start shooting flaming arrows at people from invisibility. If you've ever played Skyrim, you know that an invisible archer is the scariest thing you could ever dream of, not even counting if the arrows are on fire. And the force fields, let's face facts, he has access to Susan Storm's force fields. And what do these force fields do? He's used them to block Silver Surfer's cosmic level attacks. If you're blocking cosmic level attacks from the Silver Surfer with your force fields, it stands to reason that nothing the Bat family can produce is going to get through that. He's blocked photon torpedoes. You know, we had the Starship Enterprise recently on the battle. If somebody shot a photon torpedo at them, he could just encase that with uh, a force field and it would explode, hurting nobody. And he uses them offensively. He once fought Spider-Man and put a force field around his head and made it so he couldn't breathe. And he could do this at the drop of a dime. He's used offensive force fields to incapacitate or hold in a force field, not letting them out. Wolverine, Captain Marvel, and the Human Torch. So given all of these very powerful, very explosive characters, I think Robin and Batgirl and Nightwing and Red Hood and whatever other nonsense James is bringing to the table, he's just going to use his body to trap them like a cage. He's going to create force field bubbles and just trap them in, and he's going to pick them off one at a time at an incredible rate of speed. Let's not forget, he's messed up, messed up characters like Namor, Thor, the Silver Surfer. He's, he's been able to do real damage to these highest level of the Marvel Universe characters. With this speed, the Gotham Knights pose no threat to him. They were, uh, as Dr. Manhattan would say, but ants to me. And that's my point number three. Yeah, here's the thing. There's a reason why I use the specific combination of the Gotham Knights. I'll get into this more uh, in my point number three. But hypnosis is not going to work on the Bat family. Hypnosis is a common thing that Batman and Robin, the original uh, Nightwing, the original Robin, had come up against even uh, Jason Todd, Damian Wayne, and they all have these shields, these mental shields that they have prepared. It's not superpowered, it's just what the brain, human brain can do in the DC universe that protects them from a great, de a great degree of mind control, hypnosis, and even telepathic attacks. Nothing against the Thing or the Human Torch, but they don't have those types of mental protections. Very powerful beings, 
but not when it comes to protection against hypnosis or mind control or mind attacks. On top of that, Reed Richards has actually led to the defeat of the Super Scroll by making him lose his focus. And this is something back in the day, uh, now, this no longer applies to Super Scroll, but kind of shows if he loses his focus, his powers drop. And the way the Super Scroll used to work is that somewhere from the Scroll Empire, they were beaming this energy to the Super Scroll, and Reed Richards distracted him. While he distracted him, they blocked the beam. He, the Super Scroll didn't even understand what was happening as he was being distracted, as his focus dropped was somewhere else, and that led to his defeat. Losing focus is something the Super Scroll does quite a bit. That'll come into play here. And finally, for force fields, it can block almost everything. They're super powerful, no doubt. But you know what they can't block? They can't block light, and they can't block shadows from going through it. Right? You have Susan Storm, Super Scroll, they can still see through the shields. This is going to be a pivotal part for my point number three. Speaking of which, let me get to my point number three right now. So for my point number three, let's continue on with what the signal can do. Okay, now, real quick, the signal, new member of the Bat Family, been around for about three years or so. He's got precognition. I talked about that before. That ghost vision. He can see where light has been and where light's about to go. He can see the history of what that person is doing. So when that person starts, if, if all of a sudden Super Scroll transforms into something else, the signals can be able to see through that light signature what is happening. Oh, wow, that was a super scroll. Now it's a goat. Now it's the human torch. I'm pretty sure I can see everything it's doing. That doesn't even include the precog to kind of understand what's about to happen. So also, speaking of invisible, that's what the signal can do for himself. He bends light around him and can become absolutely invisible and also see other things that are invisible. So if the super scroll goes invisible, the, uh, the signal's going to be able to see it. Let's see, signal, like I said, he can command darkness and shadows any shadow near the scroll or any darkness inside the scroll's body, all of a sudden he's making that come alive and attack him from within. He doesn't have to see it. He can just sense where it is and he goes. And he can also travel through light and darkness. So all of a sudden the super scroll has a force field. Light and shadows can still get through it and so can the signal and go on the attack. He can shoot darkness at people like energy blasts. Uh, and also he's got a healing factor because why not? That's what he's got. Now, let's talk about super scroll's weaknesses because he's got a few key weaknesses that are kind of insane. And I wouldn't say they're weaknesses as much as there are things that he's not as strong as. So first of all, again, we talked about his focus. He has to activate his powers. He doesn't always have all of them on at the same level at the same time to the ability he needs right away. Sure, he can do it quickly, but he has to focus and understand what he needs at that moment. And that's something the Bat family is going to be able to take advantage of. He can fatigue fairly quickly. This is something about the Super Scroll. His stamina is not absolutely fantastic. And I get it because he's got all these powers he's channeling. Takes a lot of energy. You know who's got great stamina? These peak humans who have been training forever, the Bat Family, Gotham Knights. And again, I already talked about him being distracted. That's a huge weakness. All right. Let's talk about the big question, though. But can the Bat Family, can the Gotham Knights actually take out someone as powerful as the Super Scroll? The answer is this. Look, Jason Todd was able to beat down Lobo because of his enhanced strength and his understanding of how to hurt Lobo. He beat up Lobo so bad that Lobo starts fighting and saying, all right, fine. I don't want to fight anymore. It's not worth my time. Made Lobo give up. No offense to Super Scroll, but he's no Lobo. And again, I already talked about Cassandra Kane hurting Shazam, Superwoman, Supergirl, I should say, and Superboy. You can hurt them. You're hurting the Super Scroll with shots. That is crazy. So here's how I see this fight going. They're going to face off. Super Scroll is just going to go on the attack right away. He's going to shoot from far range. That's fire attacks, all that kind of good stuff. The Gotham Knights are going to scatter because they're like, okay, great. Another superpowered being. As they scattered, of course, they all quickly deduce what's happening. Nightwing's already in command saying, okay, got it. Super durability, strength, super flight. They can, he's got some type of shield thing going on. They're going to deduce his powers insanely quickly. They just have to see him once and they've got it. Sure enough, he's going to transform and try to hide in the environment, maybe copy someone else. But that's where the signal sees it and says, wait, wait, wait. I just saw his light shadow and all that. 
He that's where he was. Now he's you. Uh, uh-uh, that's there's two Jason Todds. Forget it. Go for the one on the right. They'll be able to pinpoint that right away. Now, as that's happening, that's where the distractions come in. Damian Wayne starts using his swords, trying to hurt him. Jason Todd is, you know, using those swords that can destroy anything, cut through gods for gosh sake, and take and trying to hurt the Super Scroll. And that's when Barbara Gordon calls down a massive attack from those twelve insane satellites that she took over from Lex Luthor to hurt Superman and bombard the Super Scroll like crazy. But here's the thing: the Super Scroll, because again, he's awesome. He had his force fields up just in time, so he wasn't necessarily hurt. But while he's like, oh, wow, I took that attack. And he's got his force fields up thinking he's safe for the moment. And that's when the signal kicks in. He goes through the force field, use that power of bending darkness and whatever, and starts getting the Super Scroll's body, his inside of his body to attack itself. As strong as you are, even Superman can't help a body attack from within. As that's happening, the shield's going to go down. He's going to try to figure out what's going on. He loses his focus for a second. And that's when the two double, the two barrels of Jason Todd's guns go to the back of Super Scroll's head. He's loaded up those Promethium-destroying bullets, puts him in there, takes him out, maybe doesn't kill him, but takes him out completely, puts him down for at least two minutes. That's how the Bat Family wins. That's why Super Scroll loses, because loss of focus, loss of teamwork, and they actually have powers and weapons that can actually take out Super Scroll, and that's my point number three. That is a whole lot of ifs that have to happen in a row for anything to even scratch the Super Scroll. Now, it's one well, of many possibilities. You, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. One, look, if it's one of twenty-two million, one in twenty-two million, we gotta assume the twenty-two million's got a good shot in this battle. Listen, I think you're overrepresenting what that signal character can do because he can he can manipulate shadows. I didn't really see a whole lot of fight god god tier characters with their insidey places. Not really seeing that as an actual power he has because he can't see inside the insidey places to actually manipulate. The shadows, and not only that, even if he was no, to try to. to do that, Super Scroll could turn his body into flame. You know what flame is good for? Producing light. There's going to be no shadows anywhere around him when he goes supernova and blows it out. Now, look, things we have to talk about. Oh, hypnotism powers never work against Batman or the Bat Family. That's why Mad Hatter has never done anything against them ever. Oh, wait, he's a hypnotist who often works against them, not to mention Scarecrow's been able to do this stuff to them as well. So I think that's kind of a weird power. The power ray from space powering Super Skrull hasn't been a thing since the very first time he was introduced in the early 1960s. He doesn't need that power to have the abilities anymore. The other thing that I want to talk about is Super Skrull. He's just got too much. He's too fast. He's too strong. He's just plain too durable. And he has all these dirty tricks that he could pull. Despite James pretending that you know, uh, uh, all of a sudden Batgirl is going to call down the authority of 12 satellites to nuke Gotham City in the middle of the battle. It all just seems unlikely. Let's face facts. Jason Todd, Barbara Gordon, uh, all of these characters have been killed. Tim Drake has been shot. All of these people have been put down by conventional means, much less a class 100 monster who's fighting Silver Surfer. I don't care. This focus argument didn't land with me whatsoever. Again, you're talking about a thing that what surprised him was losing his powers because the disrupted thing happened in the 60s, but that's not a factor anymore, just not a thing. I just want to leave you with this quote. This is what Super Skrull said to the Hulk was they were fighting. I've strode across planets that I've ravaged with my own two hands. I've detonated stars, collapsed worlds, torn down entire civilizations and rebuilt them in my own image. I've fought and conquered beings of cosmic scope. What have you done lately? He said to the Hulk. And this is what I would ask 
these poor members of the Bat family in a neutral location in a in a random encounter, never having met this guy before. They're not going to be bringing out every weapon they've ever fought with in their history. They're going to get overwhelmed. They're going to get bulldozed and shoveled. And some of them will get away to plan a second battle. But there's just no chance they win this battle against the Super Skrull today. He's just too much. I feel like you kind of ignored purposely points that I made. But that's okay. That's all good. Because luckily we have Adam here, Adam MacArthur, who doesn't miss a thing. All right, Adam, it's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. This has been a crazy battle. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between the Super Scroll and the Gotham Knights. All right. Well, yes, this has been this has been a wild one. What I really liked about this coming into this point three was I told you exactly what I needed from you in terms of like how to possibly win this thing. Um, while I thought Ray was ahead after the first two points, I really liked going through the steps. You know, Nightwing calling the shots, the satellite attacks and signal enters, the kind of negating the force, Susan Storm's force fields of the Super Scroll. And, you know, basically how the team would come together and how they could possibly defeat the Super Scroll. And it was great. However, I think there was a nuance in there that basically helped make my decision. And you said, you know, in an instant, Nightwing's calling the shots. Then he's relaying the message. And like too many things have to happen sequentially and kind of one after the other or be communicated to, to defeat the Super Scroll where the Super Scroll in an instant can activate any of these powers. He already knows all of the things he can do and doesn't have to relay any communication. And so for me, the winner of this battle is the super scroll. Oh, you know, here, let me ask you this question, Adam MacArthur. Did, did the Gotham Knights do much better than you thought? They, I'm not kidding you going into point three, that did a lot. It really, it really did a lot. I like that you presented the scrolls weakness, uh, focus, uh, fatigue, having to activate powers. But I just think, uh, to raise credit, um, Saying like remind remembering the rules of the game. This is a random encounter. There is no time to pre-plan. And the scroll super scrolls going in, knowing everything he can already do. And these guys are sort of having to like figure out a god tier character, you know, that quickly and communicate it so that they can each use their skills. Am I saying there's not a world where maybe we see like a really, you know, the Gotham Knights put up a really amazing fight and maybe even win. I'm not saying that. But in this instance, in the Who Would Win show, the confines of the rules and the two cases presented today, this is definitely the Super Scroll. Here's the thing. I'm actually not upset with this ruling whatsoever because the whole goal of this, this is why I love the Super Scroll and the Gotham Knights kind of going, this is an absolute underdog fight. Ray, you said something that was insanely, insanely correct, which is, and this is the MO of the Bat family and of Batman himself when he fought Predator or Superman, whatever. It's that he needs time to prepare. They'll put up an amazing fight in a random encounter, but then they're going to say, you know what? This is not going to go the way I need it to. I'm out. They'll survive that first encounter, learn from it, and come back better the second time. I do think the second time the Gotham Knights will take it, but I think they put up a great showing in the first round, but I can kind of see your logic behind this Adam MacArthur. Ray, what are your thoughts on this big win of yours? 
I honestly have to say, James put up more of a thought. Now, how much of it was dirty tactics and unfair play? Well, I'll let the audience decide that. I actually came into that decision thinking that there was a possibility that I might not win it, which I was not feeling walking in the door of this battle. And I've known well enough not to underestimate the things and ideas that James is going to try to bring out there and put on the table. I have to bring my A game each and every battle to make sure I don't get kneecapped by something I didn't see coming. Put in a lot of research for this one and wanted to see it through to success, which we have done. Now, I do think the Super Scroll scatters them, defeats them, destroys them probably pretty easily in that first battle, but I would actually love to see a crossover comic book series of the Super Scroll versus the Bat Family with no Batman and just see them put into action a plan. I still think Super Scroll might overcome that plan, but I would be, here's the deal. It would be a six issue uh, series that I would inhale as quickly as I possibly could, because that would be some good reading. Yeah, that would be fun. You know, I'm, I'm, pic- I would pic- I'm picturing in that series, Jason Todd, you know, the whole Bat Family's together and Nightwing saying, okay, guys, we don't know what we're facing here. So everyone stay on their toes. And, you know, Jason Todd's like, what are you talking about? It's all of us. We could take out anyone. It's all of us. And all of a sudden, the Super Scroll shows up and realizes, like, everything's about to go horribly wrong. I would love to read all of that. Adam MacArthur, you are an insanely amazing judge. I didn't get the win, but, man, did I love your process. All of this actually feels a win, like a win because I think we gave a great battle. We gave a great showing. Ray did a great job. And we had an amazing judge. Congratulations to everyone all aboard. With all that being said, Adam, tell our fan base, the Legion of Audience, where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, all at NinjaMac, N-I-N-J-A-M-A-C, NinjaMac. Very cool. Ray, congratulations on another really big win. Tell our listeners where they can find you. You know, this particular battle, I think it's not, it, it's 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 going to be with me for probably days, if not weeks, and it really is a wounded psyche kind of a moment. I will give myself an extra pat on the back, plus two kudos if this was the MySpace era for being able to adapt my entire strategy, given all this new information that was brought in by James Gabsey. And I'm just so proud of myself in this moment to be so (laughs) strong and to be so amazing that I was able to take every nonsense piece that James was going to keep adding and keep adding and keep throwing and still win this battle. I really am the greatest champion that this show has ever known. Season four is my oyster. And I will be shucking it till the cows come home. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. I might have mixed up two metaphors there, and I do not care. I have no brain power left for this moment. And you know where you can find great oysters? Not at Sizzler. Sizzler. Don't, 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 (laughs) don't eat the oysters at Sizzler. Look, I know they're our sponsor, but I'm trying to save lives here. Don't do it, especially if you're in the middle of the country. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, by the way, another tagline. Sizzler, visit our salad bar, because no one else does. You ever go to Sizzler and you see the salad bar? It's pristine, it's fully stocked. Yeah, no one's touching. Anyway, all right. Great looking. All right, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, but not at Sizzler by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcast. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time.
Hi, I'm Kevin Goatee. Hey, I'm Kevin Israel. We host Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best and most unique movie debate podcast out there. Why? Because we invite our guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and try to convince us to see their argument. They must pick a film that is a financial success, widely beloved, or critically acclaimed. That's right. Some of the films our guests have tried to eviscerate, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Pulp Fiction, Ghostbusters? You can find us on all podcast platforms like Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. And if you want to watch our smiling faces, we're also on YouTube. GuttingTheSacredCow.com is where you find all of our information. And we look forward to our guests infuriating you when they attack your favorite films. Hey, gang. I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to Patreon.com slash Show right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.